Welcome to uh, McConley and Asbury's next podcast uh, of the interim final rule. Uh, my name is David Blaine. I'm a partner here at McConley and Asbury and a director of our firm's entrepreneurial services. And with me, as always, is my colleague, Mark Heath. Mark, say hello. Hello, everyone. Mark is a partner here at the firm and director of our tax services um, part of the firm. So, Mark, uh, welcome. I'm sure you were happy with the news that came out yesterday, but um, we, we, we could talk a little bit about that in a second here. It's a blessing and a curse, Dave. Sure. So today we're really, really excited with our podcast to introduce um, two very well-respected individuals inside the Dale Carnegie world. Um, one of them is our business partner here with, with Dale Carnegie Mid-Atlantic, and that is Carla Doyle. Carla is the president of Brett's Cook, which is the Dale Carnegie Mid-Atlantic franchise. And also with us, joining us with Carla, and it's our honor and, and, prep, and, and a pleasure to have Joe Hart, president and CEO of Dale Carnegie Worldwide. Worldwide. So we are really excited about this, Joe, to have you on board. So Carla and Joe, why don't you say hello? Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Mark. Great to be with you. Carla, great to be with you as well. Yeah, great to be with everybody, and thanks for having us. Yeah, we're, we're excited about this without a doubt. So um, let's, uh, first and foremost, let's just a, a quick quick update. I'm going to turn it over to Mark, and uh, you know, one of our, obviously, we're an accounting firm, so I think it's probably important that we give everybody a quick update on what's happening in the world of uh, taxes and tax filing deadlines. Yeah, so as I'm sure you've all heard by now, the uh, 515 is the new 415. So normally individual income tax returns are due April 15th. Uh, They are not due until May 15th this year because of all the changes in law and everything else. Uh, They're giving us a one-month automatic extension to both file and pay your individual income tax return, uh, your 1040. However, uh, there's catch. The uh, first quarter estimated income tax payment for 2021 is not extended, the due date for that. So that still has to be paid on 415. Uh, along with trust returns, 1041s, they need to be uh, filed by 415 and uh, and paid by 415 as well. However, on the individual side, there is a little trick to get around it that you may not uh, have thought of. Um, so if you file an extension for your individual income tax return, even if you just file it on 515 and at the same time file your uh, income tax return at the same time, and pay your whatever amount you owe with your return, if any, uh, with the extension, along with your first quarter estimated payment with your extension payment, then show that extension payment on your return. Uh, you will that the the overpayment, the first quarter estimated payment will just carry over to next year and you'll be not late. So uh, you might have just bought yourself another month. Yeah, I guess the good thing, Mark, here is, you know, I look back to last year and I think to myself, they extended the tax deadline to July 15th and it just seem like it just rolled into the extension period as well because july 15th to september 15th wasn't exactly that much far farther off or october 15th so at least by moving it to just may 15th um keeps a little bit of the sense of urgency on everybody to get their tax information in um to get their returns filed while not letting it linger you know right into the extension period so I think that's a good thing um, from that perspective. And, uh, you know, I do think with the changes in the tax code that you just saw with the signing of the uh, the uh, American Rescue Plan Act, that it probably didn't make sense to probably extend another 30 days to allow the IRS to catch up on some things, as well as tax preparers and professionals like us. 
to be able to decipher what those changes are and how it's going to impact people's returns. That's exactly right. Yeah, let's get on to bigger and better things because you know what? Tax is not as exciting as what we're going to talk about today. So um, as everybody knows, we had a, a really good webinar um, yesterday with uh, Joe Hart from Dale Carnegie. Joe provided some great leadership insight um, in his 50-minute webinar presentation. And Joe, I got to tell you that that I thought it was phenomenal. I really did. I really took a lot out of that presentation. I thought you did a great job with it. So thank you. I, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to uh, do that webinar. But you know, Joe, before we get started here, um, a lot of people probably just want to know a little bit more about you, Joe, and who you are, how, you know, a little bit more about your background, how you got to Dale Carnegie and, you know, what drives you, what drives you day to day as the leader of Dale Carnegie. So, you know, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, Dave. Uh, I'd be happy to do it. And again, thank you. I thought yesterday was a, was a lot of fun. It was a great, uh, you had a great group of people there. So thank you for putting that together. Um, maybe just a minute or two of personal background. Um, you know, I was someone who planned to be a lawyer uh, my entire career. Uh, so as I started my career, I went to law school straight from, you know, high school, college, law school. And my personal uh, vision was to become a partner in a big firm and uh, to do that for 40 years and retire. And I joined a large firm in Detroit, where I am from, and uh, was kind of on that that path. And then in 1995, I took a Dale Carnegie course. And you know, my father had always instilled in me this idea that life is about personal growth. You always want to keep getting better, always want to improve. And I was familiar with with Dale Carnegie. He had talked about Dale Carnegie when I was uh, younger, and I was familiar with uh, the program. So I, I signed up and I took this program uh, as, a, as a young lawyer, and it absolutely just changed everything for me. It, it changed the vision, it challenged me on my personal vision about what was what I wanted out of life, and and it also really opened me up to a, a greater level of, of empathy and, and the ability to have better uh, relationships with people and so forth. It was absolutely just. Um, phenomenal. And so I left that program. And, you know, about six months after the program, I was saying to myself, gosh, this was so rich, so awesome. I need to be applying this more. And so I developed a system so that every single day I was I was practicing Dale Carnegie principles. And and people noticed that. They say, gosh, you know, what's what's going on with you? You seem like you're you're, you know, you know, warmer, more interested in people, appreciative, etc. And um, you know, so the the long and short of it is that I kept doing that, but um, I decided to leave the practice of law, and I went into uh, real estate for a couple of years, and then ultimately left that that, and started my own e-learning company. And actually, that company um, was was built around the idea that how do we help people apply things in their lives? Because sometimes if you learn something, we don't apply it; it's lost. And so, ultimately, uh, started this company, and Dale Carnegie became my first client, and ultimately partnered with Dale Carnegie internationally, developed a number of e-learning programs. This is in uh, 2000, 2001 that were ultimately used all over the world around the Dale Carnegie course, sales and leadership and so forth. And so I continued to, to build that company with other clients, did a lot of work in the college textbook space with McGraw-Hill and Motorola and other companies. And ultimately I sold that company in 2005 and the people who bought it um, brought me on to become the president of, of the new company. That company was called Asset Health. Uh, which uh, was and is today a national health promotion company. We use the technology from the prior business and ultimately that became the nucleus of a company that um, continued to grow. So we would do wellness programs for, for companies. 
companies that were typically a thousand to eighty thousand employees in size, and uh, there's an e-learning component and a whole range of other technology around it. And so I was doing that for about uh, ten years. When in late 2014, I was contacted by some people within Dale Carnegie and said that the CEO was retiring and would I be interested in being a part of the uh, the recruiting process, uh, which was very extensive. And after uh, some discernment about that, because I was, you know, my, I was, I got six kids and, um, you know, the, this <laughs> involved a, a move to New York and so forth. My wife and I decided to, uh, to enter that process. And uh, I was ultimately hired to join Dale Carnegie, where I've, I've been since 2015. Wow. That's a heck of a journey. So, so, you, so basically, you started out as an attorney, had aspirations of being an attorney in a big law firm, probably you know, at this point of your stage in your career, thinking that you'd be a, you know, a partner, a managing partner of a firm. And you took a Dale Carnegie course, and that Dale Carnegie course changed your life. It changed the way you think, and it changed the way you operate for the rest of your life. Yeah, it, it did, Dave. It, it changed everything. And not only that, I mean, I was a huge evangelist for, for the Dale Carnegie program because, you know, I, I, I do believe that life is about personal growth and, and it's about relationship. Um, you know, right around the time I took my Dale Carnegie course, and not long after, I met my wife-to-be, and I encouraged her to take a Dale Carnegie course. Um, when my children be- became old enough, I encouraged them to take a Dale Carnegie course. My two oldest kids, it's been a, a game changer for them. Um, they're at 22 and 21, and they can confidently stand up in front of a room, give a great speech. It's helped them with their stress management, their leadership, and so forth. So part of the reason why I made the decision to leave a company that I'd helped start and that was doing great, and I love that company, was because I believe so much in Dale Carnegie and really just the, the the power and the importance of helping people achieve personal breakthroughs. And part of my vision in coming to Dale Carnegie was how do we get this to, to more people? Uh, there are many people around the world who know the Dale Carnegie name and brand. And at the same time, how do we really make this more accessible to millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people, billions of people. And and that, that remains my vision to this day. I feel like... Um, the Dale Carnegie principles are things that really can be transformative in anyone's life. And they can help people have richer relationships. They can help companies and teams that leverage Dale Carnegie to have higher performing teams, better cultures. And that's what we were talking about yesterday, right? It was about how do you have a stronger culture? How do you help teams be more resilient? And and all of this really derives from these, these principles and these ideas that Dale Carnegie developed decades ago that are every bit as relevant today as they were then. And they're, they're life changing, they're team changing, they're company changing, they're community changing. So I'm pretty excited about what we do and, and really getting it to more people. That I, I got to tell you, that's great. I mean, one of the, we, as we at McConley and Asbury, we um, joined, uh, we, we bought a partner, we bought a, a, an ownership interest in the, in the Dale Carnegie mid Atlantic franchise with, with Carla Doyle here after Carla came to us and asked us, hey, would you be interested in being a business partner with us? And we knew a little bit about Dale Carnegie at the time. And, you know, we've, we've, sent, some, we've sent some of our staff uh, to Dale Carnegie uh, courses and, and, and things of that nature. It wasn't until after we became partners with 
Carla because we knew Carla for quite some time and we had a lot of trust and confidence in Carla. So we felt like, hey, this is going to work out. Let, let's do this. But it wasn't really until we after we became partners with, with Carla that we really started to see the value in the programming that Dale Carnegie really offers because we saw it firsthand. We saw it live. We, we saw it. We, and we also saw from Carla the way she lives her life and the way she drives the business from the perspective of she lives the principles that are, that are, that are preached by Dale Carnegie. And it really drove us as an organization to say, you know what, this is definitely the right move for us to be involved with this because this is a product that's not only going to be good for our own people internally, but we can see this really benefiting our clients. We can really see this benefiting how our clients do business how our clients interact with their own people, how our clients interact with other clients and other professionals. So we, we thought that, you know, this was definitely the right, the right commitment and the right opportunity for us to get involved there. So um, we're, we're, we're glad you did, Dave. And when you talk about Carla, Carla's <laughs> authentic, high integrity leader. She's a great representative for the Dale Carnegie brand. She's been in the business for a number of years. We're proud to have her. We're proud to have you and McConley Asbury and, and you're all doing some great work taking the Dale Carnegie practices to organizations um, in, in you know Washington and Pennsylvania and Maryland. So we're we're really excited about what you're doing. Thank yeah. you. Th yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dave. Yes. No. Thank you, Carla. So, so anyways, Joe, let's uh, let's move on to um, talk a little bit about the webinar yesterday and, and kind of follow up on a couple of key key topics. Um, from that webinar, um, one of the items I thought would be appropriate to talk about first and foremost was to just kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of the polling questions, because quite honestly, I was actually surprised with some of the results of the polling questions. And I, I wanted to get your feel and insight and intake into, into some of that. The first polling question that was discussed was, you know, how well has your organization lived its values during this uh, pandemic period, during this last 12 months? And I got to tell you, Joe, initially in my mind, I was thinking, wow, this, I can only imagine what the results of this are going to be. You know, I was thinking that you're going to see a lot of results um, that were more on the low side. But when, when I saw that 40% of the participants, and, and the thing is to keep in mind, we had well over 200 people um, on this webinar. So it was a pretty well attended webinar for 40% of them to say that, that they did very well with uh, the organization living their values and 34% saying they did pretty well with the organization living their values. I was actually thinking that it would have been the other way around. I mean, I mean, what, what how did you, uh, how did you feel about that? How'd you, how'd you, uh, what were you thinking when you saw those poll numbers come back? Yeah, I thought it was terrific. And it was um, certainly a deviation from some of the data that we've seen out in the marketplace where we, we see that culture has taken a hit in a number of places. And I know we've got another poll question that touches on that. But, you know, basically 74% of the people saying that, you know, that their organizations were living their values, as you said, pretty well, very well. That th Those are very, very strong numbers. So, Maybe that has to do with some of the people that were on that uh, webinar yesterday, but certainly that was a hopeful sign. Yeah, I, I was actually, you know, like I said, I was actually quite shocked when I saw when I saw these poll numbers come back. Um, yeah, I, I I gotta agree with you, you Dave. I um I don't know, maybe it's a little bit in my skeptical nature. Uh, I I mean, definitely the the pandemic and all the other challenges forced companies back to uh, what their true values actually are, whether they've identified them or not. Um, and I would 
think that yeah by and large you know many companies you know really stuck to their to their to their values on uh during this time um my only kind of caveat or or follow-up to that would be something that that i've learned from what we've done in mcconley and asbury so when you when you think you've you've lived out your values when you think you've communicated everything effectively make sure you go check with your people to make sure that that what you as a leader of an organization think has happened has actually happened because uh, obviously where the rubber meets the road is where is where the true measurement's going to be uh, and if you're living um, in you know kind of a, a dreamland of thinking that you've done everything really well but the people who um, who you're serving as a leader uh, don't think that then you're gonna have trouble well you, you could be right I mean I know that we had a lot of leaders on that uh, webcast yesterday a lot of uh, executives and CEOs and and what you're, you're saying, Mark, is true, that there is sometimes a disconnect between the way that leaders perceive things and how um, other people in the organization do. Either way, I, I thought that it was still, though, uh, you know, from a data point standpoint, it was it was positive. So without more information, I'm going to be optimistic about it. <laughs> well, I think one positive thing is that there are um, the intent that they have to constantly demonstrate their values. And at least from their point of view, they felt like there's been a strong effort to continue that. So that was a positive sign. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. The other poll question had to do with how do you feel remote work has impacted your culture? And, you know, this is a, this, I kind of thought was a curious, uh, curious question, but I, I really, I really thought that this was right on point. Uh, as a good question to ask, which was in, in, the, in some of the responses with culture is strong, 31%, no change, 24%, and the culture has been hurt, 28%. Um, you know, I kind of I felt like the, I was expecting a little bit more on the side of their culture has been hurt. But I guess if you think about it from the perspective of the first uh, poll question that you know, saying that the culture was strong from the remote, from the impact of the remote work environment, I guess that kind of makes sense too. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just, a, it, it, I was, I guess it's just, I was expecting maybe lower scores on, on that as well. But I guess if you think about it, it, it probably makes sense that you probably have a pretty decent split in regards to those polling question percentages. Yeah, it's a slightly different question than the first one, right? And, and sometimes people are answering mm-hmm. this question based upon their perspective what we know is that many people are thrilled with remote work, particularly people who've had to commute and so forth. And so they're going to tend to uh, answer a question like this on the more on the positive side. We do know that many companies have made really strong efforts to continue to focus on their culture, which is a great thing because, because leaders have to be intentional about their culture, especially during times like this, we've lost that in-person interaction and, and there are, are things that, that we have lost with that. So certainly that hurt side at 28%, I, I can see that. Um, the opportunity, I think, is really to work on those no change in the hurt, uh, which would be the 52% between those two, and to say, okay, in what ways can our any organization, our organization, your organization, any organization, continue to build a stronger culture? And that was really what the webinar was about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do agree with you 100%. I think what, what would be what's going to be interesting is as we move forward, I mean, I could just tell you here at McConley and Asbury, we, we, a number of our employees have already reached out to us and said, hey, we really like this remote 
workforce uh, process, and we'd like to continue to stay remote and work from home. And you know, for the past year, it, it, from a productivity standpoint, we, we we've done fine from a productivity standpoint. I would be interested in that polling question in a year from now and seeing what the answer and results are in a year from now, whether everybody still feels the same way in regards that our culture has is stronger or has no change in our culture, or if we see a, a, a bigger percentage of those moving to, I think our culture has been hurt by the remote, uh, the remote working environment. So, you know, going back to what you said, Joe, this is where you really got to focus on the communication with your people, the communication inside your organization, staying in front of your people and letting them know that you care, letting them know you're hearing them and working with them to make sure that they still feel in touch with the rest of the organization, even though they might be working remote. I mean, that's exactly right, Dave. I mean, the reality is that culture is fluid. It's always changing and it can change very quickly. It goes to this issue of trust that we talked about yesterday too, right? Trust is a hard thing to gain and easy thing to lose. You know, culture is something that it, when it's it's positive, it can have staying power. And at the same time, it, it can it goes up or down. And so as we begin to go back into a different transition, whether it's transition back to work or transition to hybrid or transition to, you know, um, keeping uh, work from working from home, leaders need to be intentional right now about that, whether it's about how we communicate, the, the what we communicate, being as transparent as possible, whether it's about listening to uh, team members and, and surveying them and understanding where they are. So, so today, culture is at a certain place. It will be at a different place in six months or a year. Whether it's up or down really depends so much on what those leaders do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The bottom line is this, in this environment that we're in, it's going to require leadership to continue to, to refi- continue to stay in front of the culture with its employees, continue to drive the culture with its employees. And, you know, because I think this work environment that we're in is not going to change. I think this is the new way of doing business and everybody's going to have to adapt to it. No, no question. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is. I'm sorry, Mark, did you go ahead, Mark? Yeah, I I know at at Macaulay and Asbury, this this has been a huge challenge because and and all accounting firms are in this boat uh, where culture is such a huge part uh, of how you work together. And, you know, like Dave said, while we've been able to remain productive, the you know, we're in the heart of busy season right now and people cranking away at home. Uh, doing tax returns and financial statements, it's not fun when you're not with your team members, when you're not you know, going out to lunch together, hanging out, uh, just talking about stuff. Uh, no March Madness um, again for us this year, which, is, which was always a big, uh, a, a big bright spot in the middle of the busy season. But uh, so, yeah, I, I know we've had those challenges. I'm sure others uh, have had them, but there's obviously definitely some huge benefits there. Of, uh, of being able to work from home. No, I, I think what you're saying is true. Um, I, there was a perception, I think, early in the pandemic that once the pandemic ended, things would go back to normal. And it's, it's so cliche to talk about new normal. But what's different, I think, now is that we've been forced into working remotely, leveraging technology and so forth. As a result of that, people did things that they otherwise might not have done. And now there are paradigm shifts. And because of those paradigm shifts, we're going to see things differently moving forward. We're not going to go back. So, I mean, even people, I think about people, you know, in the New York City area, Washington, Maryland, et cetera, long commutes. And now they've been working from home. 
it's going to be hard to get people to want to commute back to the office. And they're going to say, why do I need to do that? I'm working effectively from home. So I, I think there's going to be pressure on uh, employers to really think about their people um, and think about how they're engaging them, to think about maybe uh, more flexibility in terms of, of how and when and where people work. And and I think that's going to be a good thing. It's going to open up. Um, it's going to enable I was on a call this morning and people talked about work-life balance and really it might be life-work balance a little bit. You know, there's going to be a greater sensitivity and empathy in terms of where people are. As long as we're productive and and driving results, I think organizations are going to be more flexible and that's going to enable them to attract and retain uh, great, talented people. I agree. So one question I had uh, for you two, Joe and Carla uh, what opportunities have you seen that that have uh, come about as part of the pandemic? I know we've been able to do uh, more work remotely by uh, that, which is better for us and the client, where we, we don't have to necessarily necessarily go on site. I'm just curious uh, what opportunities uh, you two have seen come out of this. Carla, do you want to go first? Yeah, well, I think that. Um a lot of the positives that have come out of the pandemic is we have gotten definitely more creative, more innovative. Um, I know our team specifically and some of the clients we've talked to have talked about um, being more uh, open and able to for problem solving. It just seems like things are, we're figuring out things a lot more and not that we didn't in the past, but from a mindset is, okay, you know, this is different, but we can figure it out. And one of the things we really missed was the interaction with other people. So with that coming back on and being able to have more of the face-to-face to some degree and uh, not so much just online, I think that's just going to create other opportunities um, for additional growth and um, to figure out more things. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's true. I mean, there's, there are... I mean, that, that what Carla said is, is 100% right. And going back, Mark, to what you said, too, there are opportunities now that employers can, can capitalize on. And, and really, I, again, I referenced this a little bit, but I think this flexibility that employers may be able to have will be able to engage employees more effectively. If we think about what engages people, part of it is around compensation, part of it is around culture, part of it is around, you know, work and work-life balance and so forth. And this is an opportunity for some organizations that maybe have lagged in some areas now to, to, to leapfrog and really develop even stronger cultures by how they engage their employees, by being flexible, by um, looking at the truth that we all have to deliver strong results and profitable growth for all of us. And there are different ways, unconventional ways, things that would have been unthinkable a year ago now are thinkable. So those organizations that are open-minded, that are creative, that are willing to um, look at, at their work environments in, in maybe non-traditional ways versus a year ago, th- those organizations really are going to be in a position to capitalize. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, like I said, I, I know we've we've seen some bright spots. We've also had some challenges here that we're, that we're still working to overcome and really hoping uh, we can all get back to the office soon and, uh, and get that, get that camaraderie back. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? (laughs) 
but yeah, most of our uh, most of our employees, uh, when they interact with the client, it's done remotely now. So, absolutely. And yeah, I, I think that's a, a good way to put it. There, that what used to be non traditional is now is now traditional, and going you know on site to clients all the time is now going to be probably non traditional. So, we'll just have to see how it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we were fortunate because uh, Dale Carnegie and Associates has been uh, developing and running digital programs for the last 10 years because internationally there's, of course, the dispersed workforces and international teams. And it just made sense to have a lot of training to be able to be delivered instructor led live online. And so when this pandemic hit, we were fortunate to be able to pivot and take advantage of that. But some of the things that really surprised us is one of our premier programs, High Impact Presentations, we were actually able to deliver virtually online with breakouts and video review and everything like we do in person. And a year ago, I know we thought, oh, you just, you, you have to do it face-to-face, but it's amazing what we're able to do online. And we even have a client that used to do the face-to-face presentations training. They would do like four classes a year. We did the first one virtually and they decided, you know what, we love this. And they moved the other three to virtual as well. So it was just amazing, the change. Well, and just to build on what Carla has said, I mean, it's been hugely paradigm shifting for us as an organization, as a training company. You know, we think about our our Dale Carnegie course, the world-renowned Dale Carnegie course, which is highly interactive. It's engaging. It has people you know, really, uh, you know, talking to each other, getting up and doing talks and so forth. If you had told us a year ago that we could deliver anything like that in a live online environment, no one would have believed it. But what we're finding when we converted it, we did it very intentionally and carefully, that you can do essentially that through what we call it the ECHR, Effective Communications and Human Relations course. That program is getting comparable customer satisfaction scores to the one that might have been in, in person. That that blew us away. And it, I think it also blew away many of our clients who had always had just this, this fixed paradigm, kind of like um, we were saying earlier that we have to be together and so forth. Well, now there's flexibility. One of the things we've introduced is something called Dale Carnegie Learn From Anywhere, which is a hybrid type of a class. If someone wants to be in the classroom, they can physically go to the classroom. If someone wants to be online, they can together at the same time and ha- both having an excellent experience. If one week you're you're in the classroom and this week, gosh, I just can't get in there because for whatever reason, I can't the traffic or I've got whatever, you can join online. So so that kind of flexibility didn't exist a year ago. And it's just one of the the many benefits I think that will continue for organizations afterward. Just the the ability to train how, when, where you want creates greater flexibility. It's, it's highly effective. A lot of organizations are going to continue to do that. Yeah, the other one of the other opportunities I've really seen is for uh, remote learning. Um, it, it seems now like there's going to be so many more educational opportunities opening up for people who couldn't get to a, a college classroom or a graduate course classroom or, or any kind of classroom. Uh, and also with, with Dale Carnegie courses, you know, where you don't have the means, the work schedule, the transportation, whatever, uh, to get to in-person things. Now you, you have access to all of that uh, remotely, which I think is a huge opportunity for 
um, you know, what have been underserved markets. We're, we're seeing that also in our business. We've got regions. I was talking to, to one of our, our people who leads a, a team in Brazil, vast territory. And part of what he's saying is, you know, it was very difficult to go from place to place or to drive or to, you know, to get from once. But now they can do this remotely. The same thing is happening with our team in Hawaii. I mean, they, they've grown significantly during this period of time because they've been able to reach more people, make it easier for, for their customers to be able to access Dale Carnegie training. So it's true for us. It's true, as you said correctly, for colleges. I think there's a lot of organizations that are going to benefit by being able to, to maintain either this online or hybrid kind of a, a business model. Right. Joe, let's... um switch gears here a little bit and just answer a couple of the remaining questions that were uh, still hanging out there from yesterday's webinar that I feel like we should probably just address and make sure that everybody uh, has their uh, questions addressed. One question that came in yesterday, Joe, said, not all managers and bosses are on board with being open, transparent, and creating that, psycholog that psychological safe environment. Is there anything I can do to influence that? So it's a tough situation when a team member has the desire to be open. They, they are an authentic, high-integrity person, and um, they, they may find that, that people within their organizations um, don't want to have transparency. They want to um, you know, keep information you know, closed or so forth. What I would say is that every person in an organization has the ability to make a difference. And we, we've seen cases where a team in an organization st starts to behave a certain way. They start to, to behave around principles of psychological safety, of appreciating people, of listening, of, of being open to different ideas and so forth. And what happens is that that team becomes a light, if you will, in the company. Other people say, just what are you doing over there? And, and so I've seen this. Sometimes people have this view that, that it has to be a top-down approach. Sometimes it can actually you know, be something that's more organic. So my encouragement to, to, to managers, to individuals, first of all, live your values, um, you know, be authentic, and, and try to promote the kinds of things that you'd like to see in the company. Now, sometimes that may may not work. Um, and I think in those situations, people need to ask about whether or not, you know, their, their values are in alignment with the organizations. And if they're not, then maybe they wouldn't want to be in that organization. On the other hand, maybe they can be the change. And that's what I always encourage people to do is be the change, be positive, be confident, you know, live your values. Absolutely. Joe, another question that was asked yesterday was, what are some tools that can be used to build resilience in ourselves and to assist our staff? So the question about resilience is something that Dale Carnegie talked about uh, extensively. And in How to Stop Worrying and Start, Start Living, he talked about the importance of our thoughts. So resilience really is our ability to, to bounce back from adverse situations. And part of that means then how do we even see, how do we perceive situations? You know, is, there, is our thought negative? Something happens, do we worry? Do we think about it? So the very first, I guess, if you want to call it a tool or strategy is, is number one, to be aware of what we think. Um, you know, we, we, we can catch ourselves and say, gosh, is, this, is, that a, is that, do I want to think this way? How do I feel right now? We talk about mindfulness, but um, I, I 
challenged myself personally during the early days of the pandemic when I was starting, I was really worried about a lot of the things I was seeing. And I was like, I said, hold on a second. Um, I, I reject that thought. I'm not going to accept this, this, this fear because half the time, more than half the time, fears are it's false evidence appearing real. It's not something that's, that's, that's real. So the first thing is, you know, to, to be aware of our thoughts, to, to, to focus on what they are and then to change them. And, and part of that is, okay, what's the question we can ask? You can ask a question like, can I do this? Or you can ask in what ways can I do this? So the questions we ask ourselves are, are hugely important. The thoughts we allow ourselves to have are hugely important. The words that we use are hugely important. You know, I talked yesterday a little bit about gratitude, which is also something that Dale Carnegie talked a lot about. It's hard to be grateful and unhappy at the same time. And if we're, we know that people who are positive, we know that people who are confident are far more likely to be resilient. So that's something we can control. We can impact that. We can impact that it goes to our attitude. It goes to the things that we say, that we think. It goes to the people we surround ourselves with. So, so I'd say it's, if we want to call them tools, maybe it's strategies. It really is around some of those kinds of things. Focus on your thoughts. Focus on being positive. Not doesn't mean we're not going to address the, 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 the challenges, but even in crisis, we can say, you know, for, for, for every crisis, there is opportunity. If we have unprecedented crisis, we've got unprecedented opportunity. I look at what's happened for our business over the last year. It's been unbelievable, the positive impact that we've had amidst, amidst great challenge. So those are some of the things I might recommend in terms of building resilience. Great, great um, feedback. I would just add to that to a lot of what Dale Carnegie says is, you know, a person is as happy as they make their mind up to be. You know, happiness really is an inside job. So it's how we choose to think and act and verse reacting uh, when we're in those circumstances that helps us be more mindful. It's always think about being more stoic and practicing stoism. You know, the only person that control our attitude is us. We allow other people or situations to influence it, but it's our thoughts that really drive our actions. So if we're just agreeing completely with what Joe said and, of course, what Dale Carnegie teaches us. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when what you assumed had to be the case physically can't be the case anymore and, and how you adjust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one other area where we're seeing it is, you know, normally we would have uh, – accounting conferences every year where we all get together in person obviously couldn't do couldn't do that for the last year so we've we've had to now um offering offer training uh remotely online uh live but online and it's again opened up another opportunity where we can all get together and talk all the people that i would normally see a couple times a year from all around the country uh that i haven't seen in a year and but we can still get together now so what i think is going to happen is we're going to go back to the in-person conferences, but then we're also going to go back to or going to have more remote things, uh, which is going to just increase the engagement and the and the interaction in the end, which is kind of ironic if you think about it. But uh, but that's what we've been seeing. You know, it's interesting you say that, Mark. When I started with Dale Carnegie, uh, hard to believe, over 30 years ago now. Um, and it took the just course. 30, just 30 quarters? I know. Shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped counting after 30. Because um, then I have to say I started in kindergarten. Um, so, but the, the thing I was saying is that when, when I took the course way back right out of college, 
you know, they always said, you don't take the Dale Carnegie course, you live it. So it's about how do we incorporate these principles in, in terms of our, our fibers, our makeup, and how we approach and deal with people. You know, it's all about being honest and sincere. And the principle 17 that we all abide by for Dale Carnegie is to try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. Certainly helps us talk in terms of their interests and apply all the other things. So, yeah, I will say, uh, I mean, you, Carla, the other instructors uh, that I've interacted with with Dale Carnegie, uh, and the, I mean, they're all so consistent in embracing the Dale Carnegie values and uh, the positivity and, and and everything else. They're just a pleasure to be with, pleasure to talk to, and I always learn so much from talking with 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 everyone. We appreciate it. Thank you. People can tell when you do. It's got to come from the heart. Yeah, and you can't fake it either. Joe, another um. Another question here for you is um, one of the participants asked, um, if I could ask the question, could you discuss strategies to uncover leadership blind spots? Sure. So we talked yesterday about the idea that there are blind spots, right? Just like when we're driving a car, there's things we can't see. And similarly for ourselves as leaders, there might be things about ourselves that we're missing. Sometimes if we do a 360 assessment and we ask people, you know, about our strengths and our weaknesses, we, we hear things and we're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that people think I don't listen or whatever it is, I mean, whatever, you know, can pull one out of the air. But um, so, so the way, the best way that I know to uncover leadership blind spots, I mean, it's a combination of, of maybe two or three steps. You know, the first step is to think about the areas that are, are really important. So yesterday we talked about when we surveyed thousands of employees around the world about things that motivate them. What are the things that are important? They talked about feeling respected and feeling appreciated and feeling listened to and so forth. But, you know, to have an understanding of, of what those, those key behaviors are that I need to exhibit as a leader, whether it's, you know, reliability or any of those kinds of things. And, and then it's also having a sense in my own mind about who are the people who are really good at that? I mean, do I have an example of someone? I might say, Carla, gosh, Carla is really exceptional at listening. Well, what does she do? Well, I mean, I feel when she, she, she looks at me, she doesn't interrupt. She does, you, you, you have a sense of what that model looks like. And then, frankly, the next part of that is to ask people and be willing to accept that feedback and not to be defensive and say, you know, so Carla, you know, um, no one's perfect. Uh, I'm curious to know if there is one thing I could be doing differently that would um, to be a more effective leader. What, what might that be? Or if it's specifically, if I have a feeling that it might be around listening, it's like, you know, Carla, you know, I, again, I'm not, no one's perfect. Um, I'm always trying to improve. But just love your feedback about something I could do to be a better listener. Or, you know, how do you feel like I am as a listener? And just to be willing to, to hear whatever she says and just to listen to that and, and and ultimately to say thank you. You can take it or leave it depending upon when you whether you agree with it. But, um, you know, you ask people and, and ultimately build on that. So, you know, you might get one or two specific things to work on. And, and I, I also say to don't boil the ocean. Don't try to, you know, um, it's not like you want to try to focus on every single thing that you want to improve about yourself all at once. Maybe it's just one thing that I'm going to work on this month or this quarter or this year or whatever it is. And, and that alone could be a, an important thing, but it, it, it's, it's to be open to it. It's to ask people about it. It's to be intentional about it, but there's 
Every one of us can improve. Every one of us can become better leaders. Leadership is not something that is, you know, you're, you're, you're either born with it or you're not. People could be developed into great leaders. It's part of what we teach in Dale Carnegie. Part of what we do is we help people become great leaders. Yeah, excellent. So, Joe, one, one last and final question here to, um, to address so we can say that we addressed all the questions between the webinar and the uh, podcast here is, um, the question is, having transitioned into leadership has been challenging on one level. I welcome openness and transparency, but how do I move past the, but you're my boss fear that those I let lead have and can, sh- and can shadow their actions and comments? You, you know, uh, Dave, I'm, I'm not entirely sure I'm following the question. Maybe you can just rephrase it for me. Sure. Let me see if I can. It says, I think basically what the question is around is I was once a line individual and now I'm a manager and I'm a leader of the same people I was um, working with as a line person. How do I build that? How do I build and get away from that fear from the, everybody that you were that you're my boss now versus having worked with me before as a line person? So that can definitely be a challenge. Someone is uh, a line person, they get promoted, they're a salesperson, they become a sales manager, whatever the case might be. And at the end of the day, no matter what the situation, we need to remember that it's always around relationships. It's always around people. So, you know, part of it is, from my standpoint, um, the biggest problem that can happen is if you, you go from not leading to leading is to come in and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. And, and you, you, you act like you've got all the answers. Um, I, I had an interview last week or a week or so ago with Alex Gorski, who's the CEO of Johnson & Johnson. One of the things he emphasized was, you know, leaders need to be humble. Leaders need to know that they don't have all the answers. They shouldn't have all the answers. They need to be able to, 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 to listen to the people that they work with. And I'd say the same thing here. So the person who gets promoted might uh, go into leadership and say, geez, you know, I, 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 you've been here, uh, Dave, for X number of years. I know we've worked together. What are your ideas about what we should be working on right now? doesn't mean you're going to do them all, but, but listen and let that person value that person, value that person's ideas by, by listening to them and really even talk to the other people on the team. When I started at Dale Carnegie and I came into this organization that was, you know, 104 years old at the time, um, I had a number of ideas about things I wanted to do in the organization, but the first thing I did, I spent many weeks and months trying to meet as many of the franchise owners and team members around the world as I could just to ask, what do you th- think we need to be doing? And ultimately, they had great ideas, and I benefited from idea- their ideas, and their, their ideas ultimately helped frame what we, what we did. So I'd say the same thing. That's true of any new leader. You know, you, you don't want to come in both barrels blazing. You don't want to come in saying, I have the answers. You want to come in really with the, the idea of um, honoring and listening to the people around you, taking their, their advice, or at least listening to it, and then ultimately working to chart a path. I mean, you have to live with the decisions you make and the path that you, you, you chart for yourself. But um, appreciating people, listening to them, um, taking in consi- into consideration what they say, those are all important things I would recommend. And the only thing I would add to that, so true, Joe, is, um, you know, if we have done that position before or we're coming where we're peers with someone and now we're in a leadership role, it's also really helpful to be willing to talk about our own mistakes and talk about what we've learned from them. So they see that we're not expecting them to be perfect 
And, you know, here are some things I've done and some things maybe we can talk about working more forward together, whatever it may be. But it's always good to be able to share your experiences and where we have fallen short ourselves in some scenarios. Excellent. Well, uh, team, thank you for your time today. I, you know, I, on behalf of McConley and Asbury and Mark and I, we, we can't thank either one of you enough for taking the time out of your schedule to participate in this podcast as a follow-up to the webinar, just kind of get a little bit more in depth into some of the polling questions and the que- in, in the uh, remaining Q and a that was out there. And, you know, Joe, just to learn a little bit more about you as an individual too. I mean, I, I really value the time that we had here today to, to talk about that and get to know you a little bit better, Joe. So again, is any, any, um, any final comments or remarks for by, from you and uh, Carla that you want to throw out there, anything else that you uh, can think of that you want to just address? Well, I, I just first say by thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the webinar yesterday. It was great to spend time with you and, and everyone else who was on there. The one thing I'd say is that we're right now at a very pivotal point in our lives and in our society and our world. And I know that there's still a lot of uncertainty. I would encourage everyone to look forward with, with optimism and look forward with confidence and look forward to, the, to, to life and to say, where are the opportunities ahead? And if you do that, then we're more likely to find those opportunities. We're more likely to create those opportunities and more likely to be uh, grateful for the things that we have and the things we can achieve. So I'm excited about the future, notwithstanding the fact that we're still in the midst of this pandemic, but the future is going to be great and let's make it that way. Yeah. If you look at some of the economists and what they're saying about the second half of this year, the future should be great. So (laughs) Let's, uh, you know, it's, let's, uh, let's hope for the best. And, uh, you know, the best thing we can do is continue just driving forward and, you know, uh, just um, doing what we do every day, you know? So again, thank you so much, Joe, for joining us and Dave for asking us. And um, there's a lot to be optimistic about. And one thing we've learned is often the obstacle is the way, you know, we've been innovative, we've pivoted, we've done some things, we can continue to do that and uh, build a better future. Uh, as Joe said yesterday, resilience, flexibility, and a positive attitude. Really, you know, that's what you, you, you that's what you need to have to drive forward. So, you know, again, I just want to say thank you to both of you. Um, you know, Mark, anything that you want to add before we, we before we sign off on this uh, podcast? No, just if you haven't checked out the webinar, go to our website, go to macpas.com and check out the webinar is you don't want to miss it. So uh, this podcast will obviously be uh, record is obviously recorded. It will be posted on our McConley and Asbury website here on Monday. And i um, looking forward to getting that out to everybody so they can uh, hear the podcast and, and hear the conversation and, and, you know, great conversation. I mean, I just really appreciate the time that you guys uh, put into this. And again, thank you very much, Joe. Thank you, Carla. Mark, as always, it's a pleasure to uh, be, be a podcast partner with you. So on behalf of McConley and Asbury, we want to say thank you very much and have a great day.